welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Ryan, I say as always, but I feel like over the last <laughs> couple of months, man, we have been dodging each other. <laughs> you can't say that because la- I made a joke both on the show and uh, last week and then on the Patreon mini that, uh, oh, everything but BlizzCon. BlizzCon's definitely going to be affected, but we'll both be here for the foreseeable future. Thursdays were usually pretty safe, but I feel like uh, I was I was talking to my boss about this. I told him, oh, I got to take a bunch of Fridays off and some Thursdays off. And then I said, like, all my weekend stuff is, like, leaking into my weekdays. <laughs> and... Yeah, and I feel like mine was kind of like that, too, because normally I would, you know, do things with family or whatever on the weekends, but then... I had a cousin in from England and mm-hmm. Thursday was the only day that my parents and he could get together. So my mom was like, well, do you want to come over on Thursday? And I was like, yes, he's, this is the first time he's been here since he was like 12. So yeah. probably oh. should go, but <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, you're right. The, the weekends are leaking into the Thursdays. <laughs> yeah. It's not a big deal because honestly life happens and, uh, I think, uh, yeah, Bo joined, was on the show. Haven't had him I on in a while. And then uh, uh, Crofton, Le- speaking of weekends leaking into our weekdays, Crofton was on the show. I don't know what that means. You can read into it. Well, it means that your other podcasts are leaking into Gamers <laughs> In. That's how I read that. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, and everybody else should should read it that way as well. But no, we had a great time. We talked about uh, The Witcher, and uh, we also just kind of shot the shit. So it was, a, it was a very laid back episode, and I'm glad you're, you're back this week. We... Uh, we, we're actually not live. We're just recording because uh, we, we missed a day. But man, it's so crazy busy. I don't remember October being this busy. October is usually quiet, you know? That's true. And October is going to get even busier because on October 27th, we are doing our first extra live stream. So if you guys mm-hmm. aren't aware somehow, if you've been living under a rock for seven years, uh, every fall we do the extra life campaign, which raises money for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. And we're doing it again this year, but unfortunately we can't nail it down to just one day. So we're splitting up our normal 24 hour stream over a few different weekends, starting on October 27th. So if you guys are interested in supporting the cause or watching the stream, again, that is going to happen on October 27th. And if you would like to support us, you can go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2018. Yeah, two weeks. I tweeted that out today and I realized, oh crap, it's in two weeks. <laughs> right? Don't you hate that when you're like, oh my God, only two weeks to blah. And then you're like, Oh my God, two weeks until blah. <laughs> when I was a kid, two weeks was like the end of the world. It was like, oh my God, it's so far away. Now two weeks is like, that's tomorrow in adult time. Yep. <laughs> so I, I mean, I've I've been preparing, you know, doing my squats and stuff uh, in game, you know, just hitting the control oh, stick like, up, what? down, up, down, <laughs> you know, just, just making sure I've got that, uh, that, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but there's lots of video games out in, uh, as well. It's, it's a busy month and... October 27th is actually the day after Red Dead, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I might just stream that for 24 hours, but <laughs> probably not. That that would that would probably be a very lonely cowboy experience. But uh, yeah, it's been busy. I, I don't know where you want to start here, but it looks like we've got some games, like a lot of games to talk about. Well, why don't we start with Shadow of the Tomb Raider? Because I know that's something that both of us have played and mm-hmm. you've now finished up. So I'm I'm curious to know now that you finished the main campaign, how did you feel about the story in Shadow of Tomb Raider? I haven't finished it yet and we should probably still steer away from spoilers. I mean, I don't care if I get spoiled, but it's it's only been out for a couple of weeks. So I don't, I don't think this is the type of game that doesn't require spoilers to kind of... It's not like Horizon where you felt like the story 
and telling you telling talking about the story made made you want to play the game like in Mm -hmm. in shadow the tomb raider while it has a competent story it's not what you're laying down at people's feet as like okay this is what you need to play and it's because of the story the story is serviceable to the gameplay that is being provided and i think the story ramps up near the end but it's like this this is you know a problem i have with the game i felt like the other two the story was very it was was even across the board like beginning to end it was always enjoyable and it just serviced the gameplay and it was good in this one the story takes a bit of a hit in the beginning like i think we were talking about it a couple weeks ago where it just feels it just gets going and then there's like kind of no explanation it's just like oh we got to go do this we got to go do that and there's just not a lot of setup until Mm. the very end when when things that are being mentioned off the side as if you're you you know what they're talking about it all starts to kind of come together and they present, you know, an interesting mythology that connects to the existing mythology of Trinity and, and the long history that Trinity has had in the world. And it all just kind of wraps up at the end, like in, a, mm. in I don't want to say a nice, neat bow, but like it's, it's pretty much like, kind of like in Mass Effect where it all just came right. I guess it's a bad example, but like the story felt like it just took everything. Like, yep, we, we, we fixed it. It's all done. The world was, you know, renewed by the, by the Reavers or whatever. And we ended that, that trilogy with a, with a weird end credit. And I think for shadow, the tomb Raider, they kind of take that trilogy that felt like it was taking its time to explore the mythology of Trinity and and all that stuff. And then at the end, they're just like, yep, we did it. Mm. So kind of like a, a, they seem like they were heading in a direction that maybe could have spanned more than three games, but then because of the, I guess, constraints, they felt that it would be better as a trilogy. So they were like, oh, guess we better wrap this up now. Uh, it didn't feel like that. It felt like like they've they've been pretty, they've been pretty adamant that this is the end of the origin trilogy, and and it is the end, and I expected it to be the end. Uh, but what it does is it kind of it takes that whole story they've been building up for the last two games and kind of just close the book on it and i honestly didn't it's like it's not a bad thing but it you kind of know what's going to happen but it just happens so suddenly and it's almost like huh they just they just kind of close the book on it and it, it almost feels like they said we're not going to do any more tomb raiders like this mm. which i think maybe maybe a good thing but we're not going to do any more tomb raiders like this so let's close the book let's finish the story and kind of tr- tr- treat this as the origin to the rest of the games and kind of be that's that's Lara Croft in that aspect you know and may, maybe they do more but I think they really need to reinvent the formula because it I don't know if you've played much more of it but it kind of feels like you get into that groove you know and and it's still fun but it's not there's not enough it's new like, there yeah it's same old same old yeah that Which being is, said, was very much it felt like that right from the beginning where mm-hmm. I mean all the mechanics were very very similar and the the story felt similar and you know the the big kind of twist was that Lara thought that maybe she this time in trying to prevent Trinity from starting the apocalypse she had in fact started it herself by being careless and that was an interesting pathway for them to explore is mm-hmm. like the, her guilt and stuff but I felt like even then they didn't really it all that much at least as far as i've gotten like it that didn't play as big a role in the story as i thought would at least to differentiate it from tomb raiders past yeah they don't 
they they like without being spoilery like they they continue to touch on the guilt she's feeling as she she sees what what literally what's around her falling apart mm-hmm. uh and i won't go further into that but like it's tomb raider you can probably connect the dots but basically <laughs> there's this moment where her guilt hits a peak uh and she just she becomes just this murderous ravenous person and and to me like i was like all right i, I guess that's that's how you would re- that's how Lara would react and again like i shouldn't be surprised that she's just on a good day she's brutally murdering murdering people so on a bad day watch out yeah <laughs> you know but i i think that the the story is is serviceable but really the question of guilt like that's an interesting layer but i think where it gets really interesting is right actually right near the end it's like the second to last area where they just they introduce more of the mythology uh and it and it sticks like they introduce a lot of mythology at the beginning like with Paititi and the hidden city and stuff but to me that didn't really stick as much mm-hmm. as as the rest of the games did but near the end they kind of add another layer to it and maybe it's because i'm more familiar with what they're presenting because I'm, I'm not a historian like i'm sure people who are into the hidden city type stuff and you know the you know the history of the aztecs and the mayans and stuff like that they might be more interested in this stuff but they do present something near the end for, with a mythology layer that that they've been building on throughout the throughout the game they make mentions to this this character and at the end it kind of all comes to a comes to a close and I, I quite, I enjoyed the story as a whole and it's, it's not a bad game. And I think I've been, I've been saying that, you know, we've been saying that since the, since we first started talking about it a couple weeks ago, it's not a bad game. It's just, it, I don't know, maybe it came out at the wrong time. Like it's, it's all around like Spider-Man and Red Dead mm-hmm. Redemptions in a couple weeks. It's just and not I up hear to par. And I the Assassin's Creed, um, is it Origins? Uh, Odyssey. Odyssey. One, yeah. Yeah, I knew it was an O word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seems to be uh, very, very popular and doing very well. And it's, of course, the Assassin's Creed that I decided to skip. And now I see everybody talking about it, saying it's so good. But, you know, all of these games all coming out around the same time. Um, it's it's tough to compete with that when you're, yes, finishing off, uh, like polishing off a final chapter of a trilogy. But at the same time, it's the final chapter of a trilogy, unless you're super invested in the Lara Croft story. Mm-hmm. probably skippable because it's just, it is more of the same you can wait is. six months if you don't care about the story too much and are just itching for a tomb raider game this is going to be good whenever because it's a tomb raider game but yeah and, it's nothing yeah. groundbreaking i think no and the, and the story the really any groundbreaking games <laughs> yeah and when you look at the other games and you look at the story they're, they're the story they're wrapping up is is interesting but but it's not like in terms of the grand trilogy like what they do to wrap it up like trinity is just the bond villain you know Mm -hmm. in the first two games and the one thing i'll give them with this with trinity is they put a they put a a a, 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 i don't know if it's a likable face but kind of like thanos and that you kind of kind of get where he's yeah yeah, you get where he's coming from and they introduce that character and the more they explore that character you're like oh okay this is a character that's involved with trinity but isn't like you know the you know pinky in the mouth type thing He's, uh, he's, he's complex and he, to, to the, to the end, he's always, he, he has this path that he's chosen. It's very, very Thanos-like, uh, mm-hmm. in that he, he is a sympathetic character. Um, so that's why I kind of dug the story as a, as a whole, but you're right. Like if, if you're, if you're 
saving your game time for Red Dead and you're playing Odyssey, like there's nothing causing you to rush out and get. I actually saw that it was on sale. They cut like 15 bucks off of it, and it's only been out for you know only a month. And and that's a lot of people would say that's a telling sign, but I think it's just it's it's honestly what they do now with with games that don't do gangbusters. Like mm-hmm. you either gotta sell like crazy or it's very hard to be a success out the door and, and to keep that, you know, the only company that, that doesn't do that, no matter how a game, you know, uh, succeeds is like, there's only a couple examples. I mean, Blizzard's a great example. Nintendo's another example. I, Nintendo was the one that comes to my mind. I just didn't want to say it first because they're yeah. like, oh, typical Ryan, always, you know, bringing up yeah. Nintendo. <laughs> but uh, I guess if I had to, I don't know if you feel the same way, but if I had to give another positive out there is is that the stealth combat, they really... They really went back to it and, and kind of made that the focus. And I really enjoy the stealth combat. Like, it feels like you're not punished. Like, you mm-hmm. you kind of know you have all the tools present to kind of take out those guys. And there's a bunch of hiding areas and stuff. And, and when you get spotted, you can go back into stealth. You but just I have found to be smart about it. You have to be very smart about it. And, you know, you can make smoke bombs and stuff to kind of, you know, ease, you know, get you back into, into cover. But I honestly found, like, I was only able to do that a couple times, especially near yeah. the end of the game where there was just a swarm of enemies. And I found this... that even if I, like, tried to use all of my tools to slowly mm-hmm. get back into stealth, I still had to be really, really careful about where exactly I chose to hide. It's like yeah. I had to go smoke bomb on the right and then I had to, like, break line of sight and then go to the left. Like, if I smoke bombed on the right and then tried to hide in something behind the smoke bomb they were smart enough to know i was there yeah and and that's the the ai like you can't you can't trick them into not seeing you like they it's very believable even Mm -hmm. though they're all wearing like giant headdresses and and, and masks and stuff but for the most part the enemies they're very smart they they see you and you can't you can't really trick them if you're getting out of line of sight you're you're really having to jump around find some Mm -hmm. get to higher ground type stuff and break line of sight so I, I really dug the stealth combat, and I, I think they added more to it outside of just, you know, jumping off cliffs and stabbing dudes and pulling people into the grass and stabbing dudes. There's a great move where you can get up into the tree, which you could do in the other games, and then you kind of shoot an arrow at someone. This is really going to sound really brutal, but you shoot an arrow <laughs> at someone, and it sticks in them long enough that you jump off the tree and, and basically hang them and choke them out. <laughs> it's, it's really dark, but... <laughs> Super what a cool satisfying. twist on combat. <laughs> uh, it, honestly, like I think they nailed the stealth combat. They did a really great job. And the fact that you can get back into stealth does make up a bit for the fact that the standard combat, it's, it's, it's it feels really much more clunky than I remember. I remember really enjoying the standard combat in the other ones. And I just felt in this one, it's just, it never felt right. I felt I... the same way whenever, like, cause I, I think that I was talking about like in the original um, intro section, there's a part where it's basically impossible to stealth your way through. You have to get into this big gunfight. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever remember being that bad at mm-hmm. gun combat in Tomb Raider. And it was super punishing. They felt super hard to hit. And you're right, clunky is a really good word for it. And yeah, but like you said, the stealth combat more than made up for it. If that's the way you like to play, and maybe that's the caveat for this Tomb Raider game, is that if you liked the standard combat in the previous Tomb Raider games and you didn't like the stealth, like if you like to go in guns blazing and that was your challenge, then 
you might not like this one because I don't feel like the standard gun combat is the same system with the same mechanics as in yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and um, I know we mentioned this before and it's been covered all over the news, but the, the sliding difficulty on exploration and puzzles. Now I finished the game, I did all the challenge tombs and I had the difficulty set to where puzzles and exploration were set to hard and, and combat was on normal. But with the with all the puzzles and explorations set to hard, you really do have to pay attention to what's climbable and what's part of the puzzle and actually think as opposed to letting the survival instincts just guide your way. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I really dug that. I thought that was an awesome addition to the game. And, and honestly, it made me, it got to the point where I was like, I couldn't progress. And I couldn't remember the last time a game like this didn't hold my, you know, didn't hold my hand. And then I got stuck, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I kind of was like, this is frustrating, but in a, in a good way. Yeah, not- in like an I actually am now being challenged as opposed to looking for all the white jizz on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I, yeah, actually, yeah, it's true. The rock, the rock climbing when you use your survival instinct, the the way you have to climb in, uh, does look like that. And and honestly, the amount of <laughs> yeah, times, like, as I said it, I was like, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. We're uh, I think we're marked explicit. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, like climbing, there were multiple times that I actually had to stop, you know, like you do when you're, when you're jumping at shit and you're trying to like hook pickaxes in and stuff into, into things and you're doing just the perfect throw to kind of latch onto things. You kind of have to think before you jump or Mm -hmm. swing or slide, you know? And that was, that was a nice touch. And I, I can't think of another game that, that has allowed that has allowed us to do that and, and present the challenge like that. It's just, I it was really um, refreshing. Spider-Man did the same thing. I think it has multiple layers of difficulty. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is the way that games are starting to go, which I really like because I'm one of those people that keeps the combat on easy because it's all the other parts of the game that I enjoy more. So I like exploration and traversal and puzzles. So I want those to be super challenging because it's like, that's the part of, gaming i'm good at is the puzzle solving Mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily the you know how accurate can i shoot a gun anyone who's ever watched me stream PUBG knows that i can't (laughs) shoot in video games to save my life literally so (laughs) i can't shoot worth the shit in video games yeah (laughs) so you know like it's really nice to to have that extra level of control because i don't want my puzzles to be easy but i don't want to be punished by normal or expert combat you know like i want expert puzzles and easy combat so Overall, I think uh, Tomb Raider was was decent and mm-hmm. uh, is is worth picking up if you like the Tomb Raider games with all the stuff that we covered. Yeah. And the next game that we have here, Ryan. Yeah. I am so disappointed in you. Um, Yeah, I knew I, I prepared for this conversation. <laughs> I prepared a statement. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it feels kind of weird because... Life is Strange 2, we'll just get out of the way. I, I played Life is Strange 2 episode 1, and a lot of people would, would think I was I was punishing myself uh, because I, I honestly did not like Before the Storm. I tried to like it. The first episode was, was okay, and then it just it kept going down the road that you and I were both done with, which was the, you know, the teenage drama type stuff. It just wasn't a game for us. And, and then they came out with the demo slash intro to the sequel, which was Captain Spirit. I don't even think I talked about it on the show because I disliked it so much. 
I um, do remember you. It might have been off air. I do remember yeah. you mentioning it to me, and it might have been like, okay, I played through this thing. It was bad. I'm not even going to mention it on the show. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I, I think we've had the conversations like, well, when you don't like something, you should mention it on the show. I was like, honestly, I the short short here with Captain Spirit. You play as this this child, and once again, you're you're you have a, a single dad scenario or a single parent scenario where the other parent was was uh, killed or uh, in, a, in a car accident and the father blames you and drinks a lot and is just kind of an, an abusive father and you're this kid stuck in his head kind of like trying to be a kid you know and that made me feel terrible so mm-hmm. I was like I did not like this if this is what Life is Strange 2 is going to be I probably need to stay away from it and and then I, I had the opportunity to uh, check out the game. Uh, I got a code from Square Enix, and they sent me an email. And it was kind of like, here's the, the bullet points. You know, I always read the bullet points before I decide to jump in on a video game. And it was like, uh, road trip. You know, it's a road trip game. Also, the superpowers are back. And it's a, it's a, it's a game that is, that is set in our current climate. So I will get this out of the way in that the game has some political... I don't think they're trying to make political statements. It's more, you could picture this happening in our current climate, you know? Okay. It's, uh, so you play as, as two kids. Well, you play as one kid and you have a brother. So you play as Sean, who's like a 16 year old kid and your younger brother is named Daniel. And the game starts off right away showing some sort of weird phenomenon. You know, it's a, it's a dash cam cop thing and, the cop gets out of the vehicle, points a gun at someone off camera, and then all of a sudden you see this like whoosh of sort of psychic powers or something. The car flips over and just chaos everywhere, and then it cuts to, you know, uh, to your your main character. So right away it sets this like, okay, this is a mysterious, you know, world. There's something going on. This is just like Life is Strange, where there's this, this... isn't Chloe being a teenager. This is there's yes. more to it. <laughs> yeah. So I want to get this out of the way right now. Like I actually did like. Life is Strange 2 Episode 1, I actually really dug it. And the main reason behind that was is that the game is just much more serious than the other ones. I felt like they weren't leaning in on the teenage drama, meme, mean girls type thing. There's still a bit of that, because you are playing a 60-year-old character, but the choices you can make as Sean in, in terms of dialogue is you can be a bratty teenager, or you can be a perfectly reasonable teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was really cool of them to give me that option as as a, yeah, as a grown adult. Yeah, whether it's realistic to the teenager experience or not, I'm an adult now. I want to make choices that would reflect how I would think and act as an adult. Whether that fits the teenage fantasy or not, I don't really want a teenage fantasy. So, yeah. so you I please not just listen to two hours of bratty teenager. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah, but there are some, and I, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's because it's two guys, this t- it's two boys as opposed as opposed to two girls. I don't think that that's is the literally case. what my thought was. I was like, okay, so the developers just are leaning into stereotypical girl and boy teenage material. Like, <laughs> I don't know, but everyone, guys, girls, men, female, they were all buttholes in Life is Strange and before the storm there was no real likable character even your own character was kind of like i don't know i'm so young and i have superpowers you know (laughs) that's their inner monologue and and i think that with this one they kind of they first of all you are a 16 year old 
you're not the worst person in the world. Sure, you're going to do 16-year-old things like not let your little brother in your room or yell at him when he comes in and, and he doesn't knock or kind of think your dad's a little uncool. That's normal 16-year-old behavior. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of... They don't really lean into it. You're not you're not a butthole character. Your dad's not a butthole. Your little brother's not a butthole. Your best friend's not a butthole. Your next-door neighbor is a little racist, but uh, so he's a butthole. But <laughs> my point is not everybody's a butthole in the game. There are likable characters where there really weren't likable characters in um, Life is Strange, the first one, yeah. before the storm. And and you meet you meet another character that you interact with that you actually enjoy and like, and you're kind of sad when he when he steps off frame, you know, like, and you're kind of like, oh, well, I hope we, we still get more of him later on. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't die or anything. He just, he literally, he just walks away. They part ways. And I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it. It is very early on the game, but something happens in the game that causes you to go on a road trip with your little brother, just you and your little brother. And I won't say more than that. What does happen. So um, I'll back up a bit. Sean, Daniel, and your, your father, I can't remember his name. Uh, your father immigrated from Mexico. Both uh, Sean and Daniel are, you know, born in America. American. They're all American citizens. But you know, the next door neighbor, he's racist, right? Like he's kind of. But he's also he, he's racist. But he's a little kid who he's a teenager who gives him a hard time and you know go back to your country type stuff. Hmm. But like I said, it's not. It doesn't feel political. It just feels. It doesn't. This doesn't make it any better. But it feels like that that is actually happening in, in the current climate of the world. Yeah, you know, it's not. It's a, it's a believable story arc. Whether exactly, yeah, it's, it's an not good. Yeah, it's an unfortunate story arc, but it's a believable story arc. Yeah, and there's some really shitty stuff that that happens uh, right after that moment, and and again, like it's like, oh, okay, they're they're really they lean into that a little bit, and it's dark, and and that that event causes the road trip. But then once you're on the road trip, it's actually like you have to. You have to watch your money, you know, like you, you're, a, you're a kid and whatever money you have in your pocket, that's what you use to buy food, that's what you use to buy water and supplies. You don't have a car, you're literally walking. So mm-hmm. whatever you took with you as you were, this was kind of cool, like the beginning of the game is actually really neat where you're like preparing for a party. So your best friend, who is a, is a female, or a little, uh, another 16 year old girl, and she's really cool as well. Again, like they didn't, they didn't just give you... Like the people, they didn't surround you with buttholes, right? They just, they gave you likable characters. And I think that was my main issue with Life is Strange and and Before the Storm. And I, it's not to say there aren't bad, you know, bad characters in the game. Uh, Someone literally... But it feels more balanced. It feels much more balanced. There's literally a character who yells, you know, you're the reason we're building a wall. So they, like it's set in 2016 after the election, like... They they use that as a backdrop mm. to uh, to to a certain effect, and I think if you're trying to avoid that stuff, uh, like right away, like you do not want to see it, hear it, you hear it enough, then yeah, you probably want to avoid this game. But if it's but if you just accept that this is a story they're telling in our in our current you know world of politics, then I think you can probably safely can you know enjoy this game because it's not front and center. It's just it's something that unfortunately happens to these these two kids is they're trying to uh, they're going on their on the road trip and yeah I just at the end of it all like I there's still some predictable moments as a, as a story game but I I kind of dug 
you know, you go to a store and you've got so much money. I had 40 bucks because I was honest with my dad. I told my dad, like, yeah, we're, I'm going to use the money to go buy weed and, and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad's like, I appreciate you being honest. Here's 40 bucks. And I was like, whoa, this dad's really cool, I guess. <laughs> Not sure I would react that way, but yeah. <laughs> single parent trying to, trying to keep trying the kids. Trying to be cool. Yeah. yeah, trying to be, keep the kids on, on their side. I mean, like. I was like, I'm going to be honest with this guy just to see how it goes. And yeah, he gave me 40 bucks. So yeah, you have that money and you use it and you go to a store and you can actually, you have the choice to to steal stuff or you can pay for it. You know, you can send your brother in there to distract him. Obviously, I'm such a good person. I just, I only bought what I could afford. And I don't know, it it was a really good mechanic. And then at the end of the game, it's like, it tells you what, it gives you your choices based on uh, your character. And then it gives the choices based on your little brother. And one of those is like, your brother was hungry. <laughs> like he, he, you didn't so finish like the you, chapter. You screwed up because you didn't feed your brother. <laughs> I mean, stuff went down that probably caused him to not be able to eat, but mm. it could also be argued the other way. And that maybe I wasn't, I was, I was too nice to interacting characters that my brother ended up going hungry due to what happened. But it was, it was an interesting, it, <laughs> That's, I don't know if I explained that right. I probably yeah, still sound like a bad person. I think he said it just in a really weird, bad, funny way. I know. He's he's alive. Like he's, Okay, so he, he didn't starve to death then. No, no. Like he starved your brother to death and was just like, oh, maybe if I'd just stolen that chocolate bar, my brother would still be here. Hey, I paid for that chocolate bar. So I, oh, I just man. think this game is more balanced and it's more based in reality for good and bad. And it's but just, it's, it's more grounded. Little- it's still episodic. So um, still episode, episodic. One, episode one is out now. So it's Life is Strange 2, episode one. And it's out now if you guys are interested. But mm. uh, how many episodes is it going to be? Three or five? I think it's five. I think this is okay. a full it's season. It's a full game. And um, yeah, I, I, surpri- I was surprised. I was fully expecting. I was wincing and being like, okay, this this might this might sting. And uh, Before the Storm was made by a completely different team, and honestly, at the end of it, kind of felt like, uh, let's keep, let's use these characters again. But I'm really glad they dropped those characters and said, like, we're done with these. And the only connection to the first game is at the very beginning, they say, what was your final choice? Did you save Arcadia Bay or sacrifice it? That's the only question. Uh, and that's To be the only honest, connection. I can't even remember what I did. I had to look it up. To, to remember what I did, to, to kind of remember what the ending was. And I mean, like, the game's quite old. So I think, like, you sacrifice Chloe by not saving her in the bathroom by using your time powers. And that basically fixes everything. Ah, uh, okay, they, like, yeah, no, I rode off into the sunset. So I guess I said, screw you, town. <laughs> you killed thousands instead of instead just of allowing Chloe. someone yeah. to die who was probably, it, it was just, it was, it was happening and butterfly effect and all that fun stuff but yeah we didn't even mention the powers the powers in this you don't control they just they manifest mysteriously and you kind of start to connect the dots uh and but by the end it's very clear what's going on i mean as as a player you can probably make the connection very quickly you should but probably to... stop talking because i feel like you're going to spoil a game which only which the only point of it is the story <laughs> I, it's it's not a spoiler because like it's very clear and in front of you but yeah like you're right it, I, I I actually really dug it if you if you enjoyed life is strange but you didn't enjoy before the storm and captain spirit 
I think there's still something here that that's that's worth checking out. Uh, but if you're not into episodic games, then you m- might as well just wait till it's all out. I don't know what their timelines are. I tried to look it up, but I didn't find anything. So just take that with grain uh, of salt. Yeah, when when you go to buy this game, if, if yeah. you want to wait, you might as well wait. Well, speaking of wincing and buying games anyways. <laughs> I, I was wondering why this is on here because I saw the Twitter exchange. And I'm like, nah, she didn't do it. But did she do it? So The Sims 4, we're back there again. So basically what happened is uh, Val and Josh, who uh, have been around the show and on the show multiple times over the years, very, very good friends of the show, were talking about playing The Sims 4. And to the point that, like, I mean, Josh would be in my chat room when I was streaming and he'd be like, oh, I'll be right back. It's Valentine's Day and The Sims or whatever. I got to go romance my girlfriend or something. And, you know, like, he was just so excited about The Sims and he was having such a good time. And I was like, okay, what am I missing here? Because I tried it, like, day one when it came out and it was terrible. And then I tried it again. I bought the two expansions, uh, Get Together and Get to Work. And I tried it, and it was marginally better, but only better in the fact that the first product was so terrible that they couldn't have made it worse. (laughs) So Mm. it's like, yes, technically with the expansions is better, but not by much. And since the last time I tried it, it's been, I want to say, like a year and a half or two years, maybe longer, And they've come out with four more expansions and five more, uh, what are they called? I think they're called game packs because they basically have three tiers of DLC for The Sims now. There's like full-on expansions that have uh, new game mechanics, new places to go, new things to do, and new like items and outfits and all the rest of it. Then they have these like game packs which usually give you like a new thing to do or maybe a location, but they're much smaller. They're usually about like half the size of an expansion, I would say. Hmm. And then they have stuff packs, which are usually just like decorations and, and clothing. So like there's a stuff pack for Christmas where there's like a Santa costume and a Christmas tree sort of thing. And they're like 12 bucks, I think. So right. they are, uh, they're, they're very tiered in the amount of content that you get and the price. So it's $50 for an expansion, usually 25 for a game pack and then 12 for a stuff pack. And I hadn't bought any of this content in the last couple of years. So the piece of content that Josh was playing that he was saying was really good was the seasons expansion. And it's, I believe the most recent expansion for the game so basically what I did, they also through Origin offer a like bundling system where you can choose any expansion, bundle it with any game pack and any stuff pack. So you get basically like one piece from each tier and it's like 60 bucks versus if you bought an expansion alone, it's 50. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this bundle thing. I'm going to pick uh, the newest expansion pack. So the season's expansion that Josh said was really good alongside with a game pack and a stuff pack and just see what the game is like now. Right. And I've got to say, I don't know at what point in time they made some kind of streamlining changes to the base game, but it feels a lot better now. 
I got in there and because I remember when I first launched the game way back when Sims 4 first came out and I bought a lot and I went to build my house, it was just like a green square. Like I felt like the original Sims had more texture on the lawn than the Sims 4 did. And there just there wasn't any feeling of connection to the neighborhood. There wasn't any feeling of continuity. It was like you could very much see like where the edge of your lot was. It was a green square. There was nothing to it. And it was really frustrating because it felt like a huge downgrade from The Sims 3. Now, granted, when The Sims 3 made way for The Sims 4, The Sims 3 had like 10 expansion packs by that time. Like there was a ton of content in it. So to jump from 3 to 4 and 4 having no expansion packs, there was bound to be a drop off in content. But it felt like there was a drop off in their base systems, which now, whether it's um, part of just the natural adding in of more content through expansions or whether they've actually made changes to the base game over the years, it feels a lot better now. There's like careers that you can actually go and interact with and there's like meaningful choices that you have to make and there's a lot of things to do. Whereas like I couldn't get excited about the stuff that there was to do in the original first like one or two expansions and definitely not in the original base game. So playing the seasons expansion actually felt like it jumped the game forward to a place that was fun for me again. So much Mm. like you with Life is Strange, I was really shocked that I actually had fun in Sims 4. And I'm so glad that Val and Josh ended up talking me into it because this is a franchise that I've loved since I was like 14 when the very first Sims game ever came out. I freaking love this game and this franchise and everything. And I just felt like they dropped the ball so hard with Sims 4. And the reason that I got back into it is because they actually did announce another expansion that's coming out. And this is how the whole conversation started. And um, so basically what I ended up doing is I didn't buy all the expansions. So I still have big gaps in my Sims 4 content. But I basically have like the first expansion and then the season's expansion. And then there's a whole bunch in between that I didn't get. And I'll probably get over time as I play through the Sims 4 content. But I'm not going to pick up the new expansion. I think it's um, Get Famous is the is the new expansion. It's like basically like a movie star actor kind of a career path. And then huh. all the stuff that goes along with that. Uh, and they actually had, I think it was called The Sims Superstar was the expansion in The Sims 3 that did like there was a similar theme and I actually really liked that expansion and that was I believe the first time they really explored the idea of going to work with your sim and controlling them at work as opposed to sending them away for eight hours a day and then they just come back with money and say oh I'm a superstar athlete I got paid three hundred dollars today you know like you would actually have to go to the place and you'd have to like, yeah, do the job, perform the song. And there was like little mini games that had to do with that. So that was kind of where they first started to experiment with it a little bit. And they're building on that now. So I think that the the new expansion could be really cool. And it was an effective announcement. But um, I think I'm going to stick with the Seasons pack, which or the Seasons expansion, which is really fun. It adds like a calendar to the game and the seasons actually change. So you play through a week of spring, a week of summer, a week of fall, and then a week of winter. And there's different activities to do in each season. So like you plant a garden and harvest crops and stuff through spring into summer. And then like there's 
the weather will actually get hotter. So you have to change your clothes to like reflect that. And mm -hmm. there's just, it, it makes the game a lot more dynamic and it gives you a bit of a sense of urgency because the weeks aren't just passing as like Sunday to Saturday weeks. It's like you actually have tasks that you have to get done in a certain week. Otherwise you're not going to be able to do them until four more in-game weeks have passed. So obviously it's not months the way that our seasons are, but no. <laughs> if it was like literally you have to play through 12 weeks of spring and then 12 weeks of summer, like it's condensed for video game mechanics reasons. But um, your Sims also age much faster than we do, so. <laughs> yeah, well they have that, you know, they have the, the sort of lemmings lifespan, right? Where they're, where they're dying, you're third generation <laughs> Sims. So yeah, they, they introduced seasons but they are on a kind of shorter cycle so it gives this sense of kind of urgency to what you're doing and you have to really manage your time which is another thing that I felt like was missing in the base Sims 4 game but overall they have updated or fixed a lot of my original issues you still can't like natively wander around the neighborhood, you are still locked down to your personal lot. Hmm. But they made the travel system half decent and they have blended the lines and added more character to the neighborhoods. So it no longer feels like you're living on a rectangle sort of idea. It feels much more natural, even though you have to go into what's essentially like an overworld map in order to go anywhere. Um, like previously, you could walk to a neighbor's house or you could like, I guess, and I guess you can still call a cab. But there's just there seems to be a lot of systems that are a lot more complicated in a good way, not right. in an overwhelming way, but in a more things to simulate, which is what the whole game is supposed to be about. So I very much enjoy the new expansion or the newest expansion so if you're like me and we're disappointed in the offering of the sims 4 previously taking a look at seasons is probably worth it because it's it's a very good addition to the game and makes it feel a lot better than it did the last time i tried to play do you feel like i get the sense this is how i would feel with the sims 4 in comparison to the sims 3 like you have a complete product that they put a lot of work into that you spent a lot of money on then they hit that reset button to bring you, you know, a, a refresh on the engine with Sims 4. Do you feel like it'd be easier to leap in with every expansion because you do enjoy the Sims 4? Do you think it'd be easier if they just said Sims 4 is is the Sims? This is World of Warcraft. This is our this is our version of the Sims that is World of Warcraft. We will continue to latch stuff on to this game for the foreseeable future. You know, so when you're buying an expansion, like when I buy an expansion for World of Warcraft, I know that there isn't a WoW 2 anytime soon, you know, and, and I don't know if we, if a Sims 5 is on the horizon, but do you feel like it'd be easier for you to jump into this game every, what feels like couple months that they have an expansion or game pack? Would you be more inclined to keep putting money into it as if it was like an arcade machine, knowing that it's not going to be replaced in a couple years or... I think so, because that's my big problem right now is I feel like I'm not going to spend any more money on this. I'm not going to get the next expansion because I've sunk so much money into it already and they've only just gotten it to the place where it feels like it's fun to play. And so I just spent, like I said, I did the bundle thing. So a little, I think it was like 62 bucks or something. 
for the bundle, which would normally, if I paid full price for all three pieces, would have been over $90. And I still have a couple of hundred dollars, if not more, that I could spend on content that I don't actually own for this yet. And I had spent all that money on The Sims 3. So you're right. Like, it's super hard to justify spending more money on it. Whereas if they had just kept the base engine, because I didn't think The Sims 3 engine was that was that terrible like they had good game systems built on it um and like i said i felt like the base game of sims 4 actually took a big step back when it came to base features so they might have upgraded the engine but it wasn't noticeable from a system standpoint so that's why it felt so bad spending money on it over and over so if it was more like world of warcraft where even if i paid a, a subscription fee or something that would be okay if then it tied into my subscription fee was all the stuff packs and all the game packs and the only big things i had to purchase were the full-on proper expansions because when the sims 2 started doing expansions they were full-on expansions and it was one every year or so maybe maybe more often than a year maybe eight months or so but they were full-on expansions, and that was the only piece of DLC there was, and they were huge, and they were proper expansions to the game. They added tons and tons and tons of new content. Expansions in Sims 4 are, I would say, in some cases, even smaller than expansions in the earlier games, because then they have all this extra supplementary material in these game packs and these stuff packs that they're... Um, way of generating money it just feels like you're being nickeled and nickel and dimed left right and center on the sims 4 now or on the sims now so if it was something that was more along the lines of warcraft with a subscription fee but all of the like everything short of expansions just in the game uh, that's something i would probably pay for mm. is just a, a constantly evolving game i think that would be a great idea for something like the sims yeah. I mean, you look at, like you said, with World of Warcraft, where they've essentially f forgiven people who haven't bought the old expansions and just they give it to you with the active subscription. Uh, Destiny, Bungie just announced that, hey, Forsaken, when you buy it, you get the old you get the old DLC content. And I think that's a that's a great way to reward or, or not to punish people who have felt fell behind. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way they're making up for it is just like, here's a bunch of emotes and stuff for giving us, you know, a bunch of money a year ago, or or even for people who had bought the whole edition, an extra $40 or however much it is to, to get that, that content that you just needed to be able to play the new content. I mean, it's awesome that The Sims 4 is modular and that you don't need all of it. So that's that's a bonus. Yeah, that's for it. lucky. Like if I well, I never would have gotten back into it, right? Like if mm -hmm. I had to buy all of the expansions between where I left off and seasons, then that would have been three expansions worth of material, I think. So that would have been $150 for the in-betweens plus another 50 for seasons. And so I would have been literally $200 worth of expansions in order yeah. to get caught up. That's like, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Not including any of the game packs or the stuff packs, like just the big expansions. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, though. It sounds like, it sounds like both of us took a risk that we said we wouldn't... <laughs> Never yeah, take. that we said we'd never do again. Yeah. I'm glad that uh, that it both, you know, the leap of faith worked for both of us. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have a patron ad this week from Simon who says, Weekly News Desk is a podcast all about the geek news this week. You can join your two Knucklehead hosts, Andrew and Simon, as they keep you informed on movies, TV, video games, and books. You can find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. 
uh wanted to remind everybody that we also have a patreon you can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in in order to join the community for our game nights you can also join our discord at bit.ly slash tgi discord which is where we do all the voting for game nights as well as pull people into voice chat when we're actually streaming so again that is patreon.com slash the gamers in if you'd like to support the show that brings us to our topic of the week this week which is next generation of consoles we were just talking about this the last time I was on the show, so I guess two weeks ago, because I was going back and forth on whether or not I was going to actually purchase the PS4 Pro and put myself on the Pro cycle of that console mm-hmm. instead of being on the original cycle of that console. And now we have word from Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft about new hardware. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> only one of these stories is really kind of... Is a new console. Tangible. Uh, yeah, but the others are confirmations and rumors. I mean, we can get the easy ones out of the way. And that Sony basically said, like, yes, of course, we're working on the next PlayStation. Uh, I think the actual quote that, that stood above just saying, like, duh, was that <laughs> they they felt it was still necessary to have a, a next iteration of the PlayStation hardware, which which means that the, the, the manufacturers of these consoles, the companies behind them, still believe that a dedicated box an updated dedicated box is required you know uh they're not which i think uh, makes sense because as much as the ps4 um supports 4k it's it's the in-between where it Mm -hmm. does both it does the the 1080 stuff and the 4k stuff where i feel like and and maybe this will just keep going i don't know how many more pixels they can fit in a tv but we didn't think that much more than 1080 would be feasible for you know consumer households anytime soon and then 4k happened so I mean, maybe they'll keep iterating. I don't even know what comes after 4K. I'm not that into tech. But um, point is, right now we're on the split 1080 4K hardware for our consoles. So I can see them wanting to optimize that further and make that a little bit more powerful with only 4K in mind. Yeah, I think that is the logical next step is to build a true yeah. 4K box. A true and... 4K, yeah, console. Yeah, so the, the the fact that Sony is is saying this also shows that it is a while while out. I mean, the the wording that they use is like, yeah, we're we're looking at the next. I mean, they start working on the next box or start thinking about it the day the 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 first the PS4 launches. You know, they yeah. that's how, that's how Nintendo's always done it. That's how Microsoft's always done it. So it. It's just when they start to actually publicly talk about it, like right now, it's probably starting to, to take form as an actual idea. And, and they're they're right. locking and specs in, and or not specs, but they're locking features in, right? Like 4K and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so I feel like uh, somewhere in the article, didn't it say something along the lines of three years? So we're kind of looking at 2021. Like this isn't stuff where, you know, next E3, it'll be unveiled and ready to purchase for next Christmas or anything crazy like that. We're still a few years out. Well, the, the, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, when did they, like, they launched four? I believe it was five years ago. Five? And that's, like, console cycles? Like, five was the old norm? And then I think it kind of, the longest one was, was the I think, the last one with the 360 and the PS3. It was, like, seven years. So, like, seven years, that's about on par. And I think the half steps certainly make it a, a bit more tolerable. Yeah, but, they stretch it out. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, it doesn't really surprise anyone, but it's... I think it's in response to, I mean, the other one that kind of was, is just a rumor, uh, you know, I think it's the Wall Street Journal, I think is what this is. Uh, but The Verge is all, is reporting on the rumor that new Nintendo Switch hardware will be coming out next year mm. in that it's it's just, uh, just a... 
Just before we jump ahead to Nintendo, yeah. I did want to say, so I found the actual quote and it says, uh, we'll use the next three years to prepare the next step. Crouch down so that we can jump higher in the future, whatever that means. <laughs> that was from John Codera, who's the CEO of Sony. And yeah. so basically their current strategy, it goes until 2020 and ends in the spring of 2021. And so the PlayStation 5 is nowhere in that. It'll be after that point. So that's we're still we're still quite a ways out from uh, PlayStation 5. So it means if I were to buy a PlayStation Pro right now, it would still be the newest piece of PlayStation software for like three years. <laughs> Which is a good, you know, when you think about the cost. That feels like a better investment than me buying it now and then having the rug pulled out from under me at E3 next year. So yeah, we're still the three years or more away yeah. from a PlayStation 5, but they are working on it. So yeah. sorry, go back no, to No, no, I think that quote is well worth sharing because it's pretty... It, it's pretty spot on and that like no this is our plan like that's yeah that's a new sony really when 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 you compare it to previous years where they were pretty tight-lipped on that stuff um but no in nintendo i think it's just a standard uh, uh hardware upgrade they don't make any leaps as to upgraded you know components in terms of tech to boost your gaming i mean they might it's it, like they might look to it looks like they're they're thinking of upgrading the screen which will impact uh, battery life in the positive which could then be traded off to unlocking more of that hardware in an uh, in the handheld mode cuz yeah. there's no difference between the components they're using in handheld to the, the to the docked they're just underclocking so it doesn't kill the battery so if you free mm-hmm. up more of that battery when when in, when undocked you could essentially have a a better looking game in handheld right. mode. So right. w- whether that's what it ends up being, like I don't think this is anybody. We don't have to worry about. Oh my god, there's going to be this new Switch coming well, out. Well, it's not a yeah, it's not a new console by any stretch of the imagination. It's going to be the it's going to be the Pro version of the Switch, if anything. Yeah. Right? It's going to be the the slightly upgraded, but still the same features, still the same like form factor. It's going to be the same as a PS4 versus a PS4 Pro. And Nintendo, which is made... kind of like, oh, that makes me that makes me mad that I bought the Switch. <laughs> uh, I mean, Nintendo has made it like it should. It shouldn't be a surprise as Nintendo's made a business on giving you new options in the handheld market. I think where it kind of stings a bit is that this feels it. It feels like this is their home console as well. Like with the home consoles, yeah, they've why. never like, really. I'm used, to, I'm used to a 3ds getting an update quite often, like every year or two. But I'm also used to paying much less for a 3DS than I than I paid for the Switch. Like, the Switch is my at-home Nintendo console. Yeah. So it feels quick for a plug-into-my-TV console, which is also the way I use it the majority of the time. I don't play with it on the go all that often because I'm not on the go all that often. So I, according to these rumors, I don't think this... Um, and I'm the same way. I don't think this this new version is, is for us. Um, but... I mean, we'll see. It's not official yet, and I imagine this is more of a pre, closer to E3 announcement, so it'll probably be a while before we hear of it. But in terms of their handheld cycles, I don't think we should be super surprised, but it doesn't make it easier to swallow. It's kind of still a bit, <laughs> yeah. a bit. I mean, we did, obviously, whenever you buy a first iteration of a console that also gives you access to all the games that come out on that console there's lots of things i've played on switch i wouldn't have been able to play any other way so in the end obviously buying the switch when i did was worth it but still it's, it feels like a little bit of a kick in the shins when nintendo's like oh by the way that thing that you spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a couple of years ago yeah we're gonna upgrade it okay bye 
I'm yeah. like, damn it, Nintendo, I'm not giving you another six hundred dollars. No. Stop and kicking me in the shins. I, I don't think they want you to. Honestly, I think this is yeah. just a way to refresh the market and and uh and go from there. But we'll uh we'll certainly see. Um but I mean the the meat of, of this trilogy of stories is the fact that Microsoft has straight up come out and announced something, like an actual tangible thing that you can look forward to in the next year. Um which is this cloud streaming tech uh, project X Cloud. Now, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on yet another opportunity for you to not turn your Xbox on? Um, I was just going to say I literally don't care. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking I was like, "Oh, Microsoft has announced something new. It's not first-party titles, it's not anything interesting. It's going to let me play the games that I currently play on my computer or my Xbox, which is none." So I basically stopped reading the article halfway through because I was just like, I don't care about any of this. Like, they're <laughs> not actually giving me anything new and interesting to do on my Xbox. It's very much like enabling, yeah. I guess, games, like playing games when you stream them, which I think is also something that Chrome is doing right now. Like, like Google is doing is like Amazon letting is you play games well. in, yeah, in your browsers and stuff. And like, so it's it's being done good on microsoft for doing it i guess but my interest in xbox is seriously waning and they haven't done anything to spark my my interest in xbox which is really too bad because i used to be a solely an xbox gamer i didn't have a playstation for the longest time Mm -hmm. but uh the things that they're announcing are just more ways to play games i'm already not playing (laughs) yeah i mean that's that is uh that is yeah that is one take on it, and I, I totally get where you're coming from, and, and I I kind of have to side with you a little bit because you're right. Like I'm not playing a lot of Xbox games, and I wish I wish Microsoft would. I, I think that stories like this illustrate that they have moved on from this generation. You know, mm-hmm. they even mention in the video, which which is actually worth watching if you're interested at all in Project X Cloud, because they actually mention this is this is an avenue to put games in the hands of more people that would never buy an Xbox, would never buy a high gaming, high-end gaming PC, you know, that are just looking for a way to, Which to again, play these isn't, games. isn't me. It's, it's not us, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're right. So this, it's definitely not targeted at me at all. <laughs> no, but it's still like, if they can, I think streaming games, it's not there yet. If you've ever tried it, it's actually really bad. There's not a perfect solution out there. And what this video is touting is that they've they've nailed it. They've got it. And this is Microsoft saying that, hey, pat on the back, we did it, guys. But you won't get to try it until 2019. It'll be interesting to see if they've actually done it. Because mm. if they have done it, then they'd be the first. Because no one else has done it in a way that, that feels... Uh, that feels like you're playing something off a hard drive. Yeah, but and they say in the video like this isn't a replacement for consoles. It gives it's another avenue for you to play these games, and I I do respect that. But you're right, like you need the games, and mm-hmm. I feel like we always harp on on Microsoft. But like right now, uh, Microsoft's game for Xbox One for the remainder of the year is Forza Horizon Four. Great game. I'm playing it. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm playing it on Game Pass, but still a racing game which again racing games are fine but i don't think you hang your hat on an open world racing game in september and call it a year yeah that's not 
that's just not good for, when, for us as gamers. like they didn't, as far as I know, have a big offering in the summer. If they did, I totally missed it. The last thing I feel like was their big flagship release for this year was back in March with Sea of Thieves, and it didn't go well. No, it it it, it didn't explode in their face, but it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't God of War. It wasn't, it wasn't what they Spider-Man. thought it was going to be. Yeah. No. And I know there are other games you can play on your Xbox. Like we talked about two two of them tonight with uh, with Life is Strange and and um, and shadow the tomb raider but those are also available on on steam you know and i know mm-hmm. us on the show as gamers have those options in front of us and not a lot of people do but again like for, this is an opinion-based show so our opinions are they're like hmm i wish i wish there were more games for for me you know yeah um, definitely so i don't know but it, i mean it, in terms of the larger gaming industry the idea that people are trying to break down barriers and bring games to more people and make games more accessible that is good news overall it's just um it's not news for gamers it's news for non-gamers i guess it's <laughs> if that makes sense or non-xbox owners non-high-end pc owners yeah. um the tech side of yeah. it is really cool and if it works i'd be really stoked to try it and it sounds like it's not tied to the xbox platform like i could just i could buy the game on pc and access it on my phone like yeah it sounds cool um i want to see it i want to try it i want to see if it works but it's kind of it's microsoft's first foot forward in terms of like this is going to be a component of our next generation of hardware where you will be able to buy the xbox the next xbox platform that that is a dedicated gaming machine but you'll also be able to buy the xbox cloud machine that just streams games and that'll be your option as a player, so so for me and, and you who are a, you know an all platform gamer, this might be an option to buy a hundred dollar box that just plays first party titles, or we could just play on our PC. Those are the options we have in front of us, you know. So uh, it's interesting that Microsoft is kind of doing a shotgun approach to trying to get their games out there. But I'd be curious to see if it works. Me too. Uh, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin, which is also where you can find the VODs after the fact. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you think about the next gen of consoles, please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.